Welcome, one and all, to the Halloween spooktacular that you agreed to. All nine of you who voted on the TGIA podcast Twitter poll, that is. Join us as we explore Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, an abridged version, so it won't take up too much of your listening time. Then, tag at TGIA podcast with your thoughts on Twitter. Let me know. Is Frankenstein gay? Is his friend Henry gayer? What about the monster? Does he only want what he wants because he does not know the queer alternatives out in the world? Join us. Revel with us. In the first science fiction story told in history, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Frankenstein, or The Modern Prometheus, by Mary Shelley, abridged and adapted by T. Ernesto Bethencourt, illustrated by James McConnell. Opening Letters To Mrs. Seville, England, December 11th, 17, blank, blank. Dear Sister, you will be happy to know that, so far, nothing has gone wrong on this, my great adventure. And you had been so worried about me. I arrived yesterday. My first job is to let my sister know that I am all right. I have high hopes for the trip ahead of me. I am already far north of London. As I walk the streets of this city, I feel a cold wind upon my cheeks. It makes me feel so happy. Can you understand this feeling? This wind is blowing from where I am going. North Pole. Although I try, I can't think of the Pole as a place with ice and snow all the time. Yes, I know that everyone thinks about it that way. But no one has ever set foot on the Pole. To me, it is a place of beauty and peaceful seas. The sun shines all the time. Who knows what wonders I will see there? I have dreamed of this trip all my life. Do you remember Uncle Thomas's library? He had so many books about great sea trips to the far North Pacific. I read every one of them when I was a boy. I was going to be a great adventurer. Then, when father died, his will did not allow me to go. But I always kept my dream. Uncle Thomas is gone now, and I have the money. I must go. I know that I was meant to do something really great with my life. I believe that this trip is that great thing. I have been getting ready for it. I have spent a lot of time in cold weather. That way, I'll be used to the weather near the North Pole. And I have sailed on boats that go as far north as fishing boats can go. Now, I must travel on land to Archangel. At this time of year, travel is easy. The horse-drawn sleds almost fly over the ice and snow. When I get to Archangel, I will rent a boat and some men to sail it. Then we will travel to the North Pole. Your loving brother, R. Walton. To Mrs. Seville, England, March 28th, 17 blank blank. 
Dear Sister, The time passes slowly here in Archangel. We are closed in by ice and snow, yet I am happier than I have ever been in my life. I am beginning my great adventure, but something is missing. I have no friend to share it with. I want someone to talk to, someone to know my hopes and fears. I have good sailors and a good captain. We are eager to leave, but we have to wait. The weather must clear up before we can sail. It was a terrible winter, but spring has come early. Soon we will leave for the pole. I keep wondering if I will ever see you again. For now, please keep writing to me. I may be able to get a letter now and then. Your letters cheer me up so much. Remember me with love if you never hear from me again. Your loving brother, R. Walton. To Mrs. Seville, England, July 7th, 17 blank blank. Dear sister, I am writing a few fast lines to say that I am safe. I'm well on my way. This letter will reach England on a ship headed home from Archangel. I don't know when or if I'll ever see England again. We are now very far north. Big sheets of ice float by us, but they don't seem to bother the men. When the wind blows from the south, the weather is quite nice, but it's not nearly as warm as in England at this time of year. Nothing much has happened so far, nothing worth writing about. I am still excited about my adventure. I will succeed. I must succeed. I must end this letter now. May heaven bless my sister. Your brother, R. Walton. To Mrs. Seville, England, August 5th, 17 blank blank. Dear sister, something strange has happened. I must write it down. There is no one out here to take this letter to land. So you'll probably see me in person before this letter reaches you. Still, I must tell you what has happened. Last Monday, July 31st, we were in a dangerous storm. Ice and fog were all around us. We feared that we might run into floating ice. We stayed the ship for a while. At about two o'clock in the afternoon, the fog subsided. When it did, all we could see for miles was sheets of ice. The men were worried and so was I. Then I saw the strangest thing. I saw a dog sled out on the ice. It was about a mile away. The figure in the dog sled looked like a man, but he was the size of a giant. We watched the sled until it was lost from sight. Where had this giant come from? We knew we were hundreds of miles from land. A few hours later, the heavy ice that trapped our ship began to break up. But it was getting late in the day. We decided that we wouldn't start to move again until the next morning. When I went out on deck the next morning, I saw some sailors leaning over the side of the ship. They seemed to be talking to someone on the ice below. I went over to the side and looked. On a piece of floating ice, I saw a dog sled. It was like the one we had seen the day before, but only one dog remained alive. I would have thought he'd be an Eskimo this far north, but this man was from Europe. My captain was talking to the man on the ice. 
Here is the master of this ship, he said. He will not allow you to die in the sea. I looked at the man. He looked very cold and tired. I told him that we would be happy to take him with us. The man gave me a strange answer. He said, Before I come on board your ship, will you please tell me where you are going? I couldn't believe my ears. Here was this poor fellow, nearly dead from being out on the ice and snow. He was hundreds of miles from land. Yet before he'd let me save his life, he had to know where we were headed. I explained that we were going to the North Pole. He seemed pleased and agreed to come on board. You should have seen the shape he was in. He was as thin as a rail. He looked as if he had been through a lot of trouble and pain. I had never seen a man in such bad shape. We did what we could for him. We gave him a drink and rubbed his arms and legs. After a while, he was able to eat some soup. Two days went by before the man was able to speak. He was a sad fellow, always looking out to sea. He spoke to no one. The men were dying to know about him. What was he doing out here on the ice? What made him take such a chance with his life? But he was still very weak. I wouldn't allow the men to bother him with questions. Finally, my captain asked him why he had come so far on such a dangerous trip. I am after someone who ran away from me, he said. This man you are after, was he traveling the same way as you, on a dog sled? asked the captain. Yes. Then I think we saw him, the captain said. We saw a dog sled the day before we picked you up. A man was in it. He was riding across the ice. Suddenly, the man was full of questions. Which way had the sled gone? How long ago? What did the other man look like? Later, when the man was alone with me, he said, I know there are many things you would like to know about me, but you are too kind to ask. I felt it was none of my business, I answered. Besides, you had been so sick. It wasn't the right time to ask. The man asked me if I thought the breaking ice had destroyed the other dog sled. I told him I couldn't say for sure. The ice had broken up late that night. The other driver might have reached safety before the ice broke up. After that, he was a different man. He kept staying out on deck, watching the ice. He seemed to be searching for that other dog sled. I told him that he was too weak to stand on the deck so much, but he still wouldn't go below. Finally, I promised to put a man on deck to watch for him. I promised the fellow he would be called if anything was spotted. Someone has stood on deck watching ever since that day. The stranger's health is getting better each day, but he stays quiet and to himself. I am the only one he will speak to. He is a gentleman and quite interesting. I find I want to be with him. Maybe he can be the friend I wished for. August 13th, 17 blank blank. I like this stranger better every day. I admire him, but at the same time, I feel sorry for him. He looks very unhappy, yet he never talks about any sadness. My heart goes out to him. He is so gentle and so wise. He speaks beautifully, and I love to listen to him. A few days ago, I told this man about my trip to the pole. He listened very closely, 
I must have gotten carried away, talking about my adventure. In no time, I told him about my life's dream. I told him how important this trip was to me. I told him that I had to go on, even if it cost my life and the lives of some of my men. I said to him, what is the life of a few men when so much can be gained by science? As I said this, an awful look of sadness came over his face. He covered his face with his hands. He let out a terrible cry. I didn't say anything. Then, at last, he spoke. Oh, you poor man, he cried. Do you share the same madness I have? Are you so far gone that you don't care about human life anymore? If you knew my story, you'd never feel the same way again. Then he was quiet again. After a time, he spoke. He asked me about myself. He wanted to know about my childhood and my dreams. It didn't take long for me to tell him. I also talked about how lonely I had been and how much I wanted a friend. I agree with you, he told me. Friends can be so important. Sometimes it seems as if we are only half-made people. Our friends become that other part and make us whole. I once had a friend like that. He was the finest person I ever knew. Now he is gone. He has lost me forever. I have lost everything. I think I will never again have a friend. I am doomed to be alone. He fell silent then. I looked at this fine man and had to wonder, why was he so unhappy? How had he lost his dearest friend in the world? He must have read my mind. In a few moments, he said to me, I thank you for caring about me, but it's too late. There is only one reason for my life now. There is one thing I must do. After that, my life will be ended. I see in your face that you wish to help me, but I am beyond any help. And once you hear my story, you will know I am right. Tomorrow, he will tell me his story. I plan to write it down in his own words as much as possible. Your brother, R. Walton. <laughs> Delightful. Would you like more Frankenstein? Now? Without having to wait for it? Go to patreon.com forward slash TGIA podcast and join with any monetary level you desire. There, these episodes will be released as they are edited, so you will not have to wait like the rest of the mere mortals. Questions? Comments? Just want to hang? Go to twitter.com and comment pegging at TGIA podcast. We are here to be spooky with you. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.